Welcome to the second ever installment of Star News, covering the waning moon from the full moon in Pisces on August 31st, 2023, to the new moon in Virgo on September 15th. Star News is my more low-key and flowy segment of the show where I talk about the upcoming transits and pull tarot for the Starry Sky community. It comes out every new moon and full moon, while the main show is out every Thursday. There I aim to make esoteric knowledge relevant to the challenges of the modern age and interview guests to share their expertise to help us grow and live more magical lives. Today's episode comes to you from the thick of an ego death, and since we start in the energy of my North Node, please indulge this introduction reading the energetics of the moment. I don't even care about whether I am channeling the universal truth or this is just where I'm at in my life, because I know that either way, some of you will hear these and relate to it. And some of you who will not relate to it directly will still find nuggets of truth as they apply it to their own circumstances. But it's the waning moon and we are heading towards the end of the year, wherever you place your New Year's. Some of you know I start minus sowing, as I think I wrote about it on one of the newsletters or I drop nuggets of wisdom randomly on the internet at times. Anyway, it's now Virgo season, which is often diminished to its association with the sixth house theme, so of order and cleanliness. Health is a big sixth house theme too, but what I want to talk about is releasing attachments. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome, and I hope you like hot takes and otome references, because they are common. I was listening to the Rotsi Talks podcast and you know I don't usually name names and she has an energy that I love so I don't actually mean to throw shade and that's why I mentioned where this is coming from. Anyway, she has been talking about manifestation using the example of driving down the road and needing to stick to it because it's about the journey and not the destination. Three five in human design so that's validating AF. But It made me see something that I feel is a legit gulf between mainstream spirituality ideas and a more trauma-informed perspective that I think resonates with more the more skeptical witches. Because a lot of us are atheist or agnostic after being raised in religion. This is something I went on during season 3 and I might just pick up the episode and put it in the show notes if I can remember which one it was. Anyway, I guess if you were not raised in religion you could still resonate with that, but it's not really unnatural to see later life conversions. So my hunch is that this specific aspect of it is linked to a more fundamental mistrust of a theistic worldview that goes deeper than intellectual atheism. Like, have you ever had the experience of going somewhere expecting to see a specific store only to find out it's closed and you missed the memo? Because as you use the metaphor, that's what came up for me. A lot of ways we try to conceptualize spiritual ideas fall short of fully embracing my human experience. And I think because of how we conceptualize success and manifesting, we kind of first to hold on to this eye on the prize mentality, while also telling people that to manifest, they need to fully surrender the attachment to the manifestation. 
The cheese things are not as simple as people make them sound. So one way I think we could look at it is that surrender ultimately is about being okay with not getting it. Life is about driving to the end of the road, which not to be the usual morbid Scorpio moon is your inevitable death and doing it without regrets. And I'm at this point of having to be comfortable in the unknown in a transition that is taking what feels like literally forever. And astrologically, I'm kind of dragging you all with me because this phase of the moon cycle sees the moon waning through the first half of the zodiac, the rulers of the personal houses. We will have the last quarter in Cancer. In my opinion, we don't talk enough about just how multifaceted the archetypes of astrology really are. To me, the moon changes not just by sign, but also by the phase. So the way the sign is embodied when the two energies come together. So you're probably familiar with how the waning moon energy is all about letting go and looking inwards and looking inwards for things to let go of. How does that square with, say, Aries go-getter energy, or Taurus planting the seed for the long term, or Leo's main character energy? For me, it's a lot like the energy of a retrograde or a reversal in the tarot, or even the essential dignities of the planets. Some combinations increase the energy of the planets, while others decrease it, and I think that's okay. I don't think that just a diminishing or a harder aspect is necessarily a negative thing. But also, if it was a negative thing, it would still be okay. We live in a society that it's all about valuing doing over being. I think astrology as a worldview and meaning-making system allows us to embrace the rhythm of nature that, because it's built within it. Even if you pick just one celestial body, to focus on and not the whole movement of the sky together, you will still see this ebb and flow in the archetype associated with it. So the moon. The moon rules a water sign, Cancer, and we start this cycle in that element on a high. And then we get to slow down with Aries and so on as the planet cycles through the elements. And I already mentioned last time in preparation for today that it's a full moon conjunct Saturn, which in Pisces is asking us to reevaluate the lessons of the cycle that came before. Mars has now shifted to Libra, and anyone out there will tell you to play nice because Libra is a Venus rule sign and Libra themes are those of the 7th house of partnership. So even if you don't have an 11th house perfection this year like I do, the transit would be your time to think over the people in your life, personal and business alike. And if we go back to the lore, the way astrologers talk about Mars and Libra seems not that accurate. Because all versions that were passed down to us paint Tula as lovers with a mutual sun-moon conjunction sinistry. So, like, yeah, Venus and Mars she were going behind the back of Vulcan, who was Venus's husband. Anyway, now, far from me not to like a tale of a woman topping, Especially when it's someone physically powerful, as you'd expect, a virile god of war, and not the stereotypical girly yuke that you see in common BL. Look, love Sazaki and Miano, like most people do, but I hope you get what I mean. However, it's true that Libra is a sign that is about our fairness and the kind of aesthetic concerns that draw classicism and its current rare, and that Mars is the planet that jumps in 
head first. But with Venus stationing direct on the fourth, we now have a great opportunity to look at the ways in which we can blend the divine feminine, receptive and flowy yin energy with the divine masculine structures and systems and action-oriented yang energy. Especially since Jupiter is stationed in retrograde on the same day, marking the start of a period of introspection and personal growth and spiritual growth, if you want to take that invitation. I will for the usual reasons that this specific transit hits something significant in a birth chart. But Mercury will still be retrograde at the new moon, so that's a topic for next time. Generational planets will all still be in retrograde after Uranus just stationed a couple of days before this episode goes live. So we're still in that heavy inward looking energy of a retrograde of my what, five six planets at once? Like, it's intense. There are a few good aspects, though. On the fourth, a few hours before the retrograde begins, Mercury will be in a trine with Jupiter. And on the sixth, the Sun in Virgo would be conjunct a god of mischief. And the two days later, on the eighth, the Sun will be in a trine with Jupiter. Now, Depending on your life circumstances, maybe these don't seem like such major transits. But if you are, like me, self-employed, this is a really good time to block out some deep work and get around to the tasks that you might have pushed to the side, including if you want to get ahead on your taxes. Virgo is a very detail-oriented sign, which is why it has the reputation of being perfectionistic think most of us in our society live in Virgo's shadow more than its positive traits. And Mercury will go and retrograde in its own sign, because Mercury rules Virgo, and that's something that a lot of people seem to forget a lot of the time. And it is a mutable Earth sign, it really gives us a spotlight over the day-to-day -day running of an enterprise. And Jupiter is in fixed Earth, so these three transit together a good time to tend to the small things that will pay off over the long term. And that's a theme also in a card for the period, which is the Four of Pentacles. I can't remember if I pulled two cards last week or what, but I think I played by ear with how much is going on in the sky, so that we have enough cards to ground us. Even if it's two weeks, they seem to be, to me, like they are a single period. And the card is fitting. We are in the realm of Earth energy, the material, our resources in a physical sense, including our bodies, not just money and things. The four are a card of stability. After the movement of the three that we get like, this fourth pillar to hold our foundation. However, intrinsic in the energy of the four lies the danger of complacency and stagnation. There is such a thing as too much stability. That's where the scarcity mindset that's talked about so much in manifestation comes into play. Traditionally, the Four of Pentacles is associated with Saturn and Capricorn, so you can see already a picture starting to form. I talked at the new moon about Saturn's boundaries as a real bed versus a dam, and that's Four of Pentacles energy. And also, an just listen to something this morning uh, was the Moon Matters podcast I mentioned it in the newsletter before and she talked about how Saturn is also a ruler over charity and philanthropy which is something that people don't seem to realise that 
the scarcity mindset that's often associated with and holding money and being wise with the resources and not investing or investing it wisely in a kind of, kind of more conservative way and having these ruling over charity that's to me like a big sign that Saturn is a ultimately misunderstood planet and I'm probably gonna go into that a lot more later anyway with all of these planets in Virgo over the past few weeks and Venus getting ready to ingress now that she's going back direct on the 4th we have a lot going on cosmically to make us reflect on the microcosm and how sometimes we don't help ourselves by having the right structures I love human design you may have heard me talk about this before but while I don't use it in my life or in my practice as much as I do astrology there is a way in which I use it for business because the gates help me to narrow down the ways in which the zodiac archetypes may get triggered in my life. So obviously in the same way as astrology to me is just a roadmap, so is human design. I don't think Google map showing the lines that symbolize of roads is the reality of that street. I don't think either the birth chart or the body graph are the reality of me. But they give us a language and it's based on centuries of cumulative observation of human tendencies that I can then check against my experience of myself. Since life is for living and not for sitting around contemplating the human condition 24-7, it helps to have things to narrow down the scope of that reflection. So it's kind of like, it's a bit like a lot of people would say it's easier to write from a prom instead of staring at a blank page. So that's what astrology and human design as a language is for me. It's a prompt for reflection. So my mother and I were born 27 years and four days-ish apart. We are both first Deccan Capricorns, although in human design she has the conscious sun in gate 58 while I have it in 38. That means that the same archetype down to the Deccan without even looking at the interaction of the rest of the chart, still shows up in a different way. Her version of Capricorn suffers from the pressure to make things better. Or I should say my version of Capricorn suffers from her pressure to make things better. She has been unhappy my entire life and never once has considered the possibility she has the power to do something about it internally without having to micromanage and, and mash people and control and manipulate circumstances. But this is not therapy and I'm not meaning to trauma them. She just makes a good example of how easy it is to become stuck in what's meant to be a positive thing. Stability is meant to keep us safe and safety is meant to allow us the space to experience joy. I can understand that intellectually, even if I have a different experience of structures and boundaries, probably also thanks to her and how I grew up seeing her trapped in a cage of her own making. It's like the way circuses train their animals by abusing them when little and then when, say, an elephant goes from being small and cute like Dumbo to being, well, an elephant, they are meek and compliant, even if their size is enough to make them powerful. And basically I grew up seeing that there was a door and it was unlocked, but she would just not go and open it and walk away. To do that would be to bring in the energy of the five, which is an odd number, so it has this disrupting energy. But 
And this is the point I mean to make with this example. The energy of the five does not come out of nowhere. The journey of the tarot is propelled internally. Even cards that have external circumstances as obvious aspects of the archetype are about the way we respond to those circumstances. So when we are in the energy of the four, we face one question about ourselves. Am I holding myself back? Or am I where I am supposed to be, safe within a stable structure that allows me to look at my journey so far and adjust how I'm going to move forward? In things like money, am I being stingy or am I being a good steward of my resources? Should I move some energy by spending some money instead? Is my house too cluttered with things I don't need that I hold on to for reasons I may want to work through, etc.? It's a time of reckoning with where we are at and letting go of what is making our stable structure a prison since we are heading towards a new moon in Virgo. Obviously, with the themes of Virgo being so around organization and health and even intellectual realm, which is a very mercurial thing, and with the school year starting around this time in Europe, especially for universities, there is this back-to-school vibe. So it's a good time to look at your goals that you've set at the beginning of the years or at any point in, in the years, to be honest. And especially do that if you want to do a clearing up of what you set up before and is no longer aligned or that has come through in some ways and needs to be readjusted. It's also mabon within days of the new moon too and I'll talk about it then but we are therefore in harvest season preparing for winter so the energy in nature itself is primed for this more reflective vibe a store taking inventory and then proceeding to order what's needed. So the day of this new moon will be the time of the next star news, but I will be back with a new season of the podcast next Thursday. Until then, keep living in wonder.